Oh, man, I'm so sorry. Well, a very good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and a joyful Memorial Day weekend. Welcome to Entering Stage Right. I'm D. Paul Thomas, actor, playwright, podcasting from the heartland of America right here in, yes, old Indianapolis, Indiana, where the 107th Indianapolis 500 will be running tomorrow right down the road from me in Speedway, Indiana. But nonetheless, joining me still all the way from the left coast, always entering stage right, though, something of a hot rodder himself, I believe, in real life, is my wonderful co-host, the actor, director of some of the biggest hits in TV history, Philip Charles McKenzie. Well, a very good day to you, Philip, and how's everything going out in Los Angeles? Because things are popping here in Indy, as you can imagine. I'm sure they are. That's a big weekend for you all. Uh, we here are freezing. <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, we've been talking, you know, I think our listeners are sort of getting a little tired of me talking about June gloom, but what has happened is not just <laughs> June gloom. For the full month of May, including right now, I am wearing long sleeve shirts and, um, you know, uh, uh, what, uh, sleeveless vests to keep warm. And this is Southern California on Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> so, so it's, it, it's a short and minor complaint, but, uh, but uh, we are still chilly here. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, I, I guess it's the coda to a, uh, the cold wet winter we had. So, uh, yes, yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so that, that, that's about all I have to say about my physical state. Now let's go to our state state. You know, it's funny. You, you, you mentioned the other day in a private conversation, how I use the word Word, our erstwhile governor, Gavin Newsom. Well, you know, I've just been using that word. And I, just before we came on, I looked it up. <laughs> and it means former. It means former. So I think every time I talk about Gavin Newsom, it is wishful thinking that it, it won't be our erstwhile governor, that at some point he will be our former governor. <laughs> yes, so, yes no. I, find, I finally looked it up because I, I don't like to misuse words. And I, you, you, piqued, you piqued my interest the other day. <laughs> what oh, oh, am know, I that, talking about? That, you know, that is so fascinating because I just assumed it was sort of a uh, uh, a projection, uh, uh, you know, satire on your part, you know, our erstwhile, our former, may he be gone forever, you know. But. I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to claim such cleverness, but I was just <laughs> sort of using a word that popped into my head, and I figured, dude, you better look it up and see what you're actually saying. <laughs> that is funny. Well, tell us, tell well, us about the good governor. You know, this is it's not just a governor; it's the state. This, yep. this is our state. We've talked about this in the past, but I think it's worth uh, revisiting. Uh, when I came here, after World War II, people, even into the 80s and early 90s, people mm -hmm. flocked into California mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it represented the future. It mm -hmm. represented opportunities to start over again from wherever you came. The, the education, the state education system, including the, uh, the UC system and the Cal State system, the, the uh, college uh, university systems were top-notch. The school systems were top-notch. The roads were wonderful. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, once, and it was a state that was mostly Republican, uh, almost always Republican, and then yeah. for about 25 years would go back and forth in terms of a governor shifting back and forth. But now right. that we've become a a uniparty state. Yes, um, yes. Uh, this is, the, you know, they, they're always talking about education. And uh, I know I know Governor Newsom is so concerned about uh, uh, reparations and uh, and the teachers' union is so concerned about the children, he said sarcastically. Um, well, yeah. this, this is what has happened to the state of education uh, in, in the state of California. Tell us. Uh, and at, at first, they wanted to blame it on COVID, that the, the post-COVID <clears throat> shutdown, state standardized tests were conducted earlier this year. I'm sorry, earlier this year. And the results were absolutely horrendous. Mm-hmm. Less than half of all students who took the smarter balanced test, mm-hmm. 47% met the state standard in English arts. 47% down 4% from 2018-19. One-third of the students met the standard in math. One-third, down six and a half points. Only mm-hmm. 16% of black students and 9.7% of English learners uh, met standards in math. Oh, oh, the, and, and, and the other thing that happened uh, after COVID is the absentee rate is, has also skyrocketed. So no one's going back to the schools. Mm-hmm. Here's, what, here's what happened. Yes. High school, the, the high school graduation <clears throat> rate in 2020, uh, sorry, 2021 22 reached a record high and rose significantly for most student groups. But you know why this happened? Because the state legislature passed a rule that allowed parents to request that F's and D's for high school students be changed to pass, no pass. It also gave last year's juniors and seniors the option to graduate with the state's minimum requirements and on and on and on. But if mm-hmm. you if really looking into the, uh, uh, the, the real, the, looking into the numbers, standardized tests tell a story that 2022, and this is according to the Los Angeles Times, the very leftist paper, in math, 73% of 11th graders earned A's, B's, and C's. But test scores showed mm. only 19% met grades level standards. Mm. For eighth graders, 79% learned A's, B's, and C's. Test score that 23% mm. met grade level standards. And this goes on and on and on. <clears throat> and do you remember the old thing it used to be in some school system that you know, just pass the kid on? Oh yeah, you're doing fine. Pass him on to the next one. Pass oh, him yes. on to the next grade. Oh, yes. Well, yeah. this is, this is, this is right here. You know, uh, uh, California now leads the country in illiteracy. Just, this is uh, California, the yeah. golden state. Yeah. 23% of Californians over 15 cannot read the sentence that I just read. Oh. And, and and by the way, California seems in no rush to correct these educational shortcomings. Other states, Mississippi, North uh, Carolina, various other states have adopted have 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 adopted plans to ensure that children can read by third grade. What a concept to read by third grade! Right. And and, and California has not even jumped on that because, well, you know, we're so interested in reparations and teachers' unions and uh, yeah, and, and uh, you know, and and the other thing is. California it, system are losing people. People are leaving. It, it, 
thousands, hundreds and thousands of, of students are leaving the system. So uh, in uh, the state and in uh, Los Angeles, uh, it, it has Los Angeles in the last three years has lost over 300,000 students. That's a stunning The public number. schools in Los Angeles. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. this, is, this, yeah. is, this is what has become of the golden state. To just pass the kids along and say, everything's fine, but boy, are we going to take care of our illegal immigrants. Well, you sent me an an, article on this by Larry uh, uh, Sand that, uh, yeah, uh, California's public school exodus. And the thing I really found fascinating about it was uh, (laughs) your Cecily Meyer Cruz, the leader of the United Teachers Union there in Los Angeles, who, uh, regarding a lot of this stuff, uh, here's her quote. There's no such thing as learning loss. Our kids didn't lose anything. She's making reference to the COVID period. It's okay that our babies may not have learned all their timetables. They learned resilience. They learned survival. They learned critical thinking. They know the difference between a riot and a protest. They know the words insurrection and coup. So, Philip, it sounds to me like basically education in California by your, well, I'd like to call them your erstwhile (laughs) educational leaders out there. They sound like they're running a friggin' boot camp for the left. Not only that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah, no, please. Well, do do you remember the TV show Survival? This is, the, this is what this woman, what you just read, is talking about. We know how to survive riots. We know how to survive sit-ins. We know how to survive this stuff. But can you add two and two to get four so uh, you can count your paycheck? Uh, 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 I don't uh, think so. Exactly. I mean, they're teaching trans ideology CRT, even though they claim they're not. They are. They're teaching, of course, the massive existential danger of white supremacy that we're going to just get into in just a moment. So the deal is they're basically... it's this that's an incubator for the left they propagate not educate that is what is going on and to underscore what you just said philip it's the reason that tens of thousands are leaving the public systems and they're going to private classical schools home schools christian schools these are becoming the alternatives where their children they know can get a decent, well-rounded education. That's Crazy, right. And, char- and charter schools as well. Everyone yes, that you yes. named in charter schools, yep. it's looking for alternatives. But, you know, the unions in the states, they don't, they don't want people to have parental choice because they want you to be held captive in a public school system that is failing in every possible category. Bingity bing. Philip, thank you for bringing us up to date again on uh, what's happening there and what is beautiful California. Hey, all over the place, it's been a a busy week, as you well know, including Ron DeSantis's uh, campaign launch for president, uh, which did have a rather inauspicious beginning with the uh, Twitter uh, technical glitches. Kind of reminded me of the launch of Obamacare. Remember that? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it just, it's shocking that these uh, technical wizards could uh, find themselves just overwhelmed. But to me, all of this... Except the very next day, his, his campaign raked in millions of dollars from, oh, that, from that supposed fiasco, which the media loves to jump on. Look, oh. he can't even launch a campaign. Okay, you know, we're just, we're just getting started here. But, oh, but in, in, in any case... Yeah, but you, you better leave, believe we're just getting started, but... Uh, 
to me, all of this kind of pales by comparison. Uh, it was literally a week ago today that, again, President Joe Biden went back to the big lie. I'm calling it the big lie, and I refer to Biden's speech a week ago today at Howard University, in which he said, the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. Now, Philip, help us. Break down for us how you see this, and uh, hopefully we can expose it a little bit for the fear-mongering and what you so often point out, the balkanization of the body politic that it really is, this kind of rhetoric. Well, as as you indicated last week uh, um, when you mentioned that Joe Biden, uh, you know, what, what was it the thing of if, if you don't vote Democratic, you ain't black? He said mm-hmm. this to a black mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. This is one of the biggest racists we've ever had uh, next to, uh, I believe, um, uh, Woodrow Wilson, who segregated the po- the, the, the government the, yeah. uh, um, employees, <laughs> yeah. uh, a Democrat. Um, uh, th- this is... Th- this is um, this is someone who, uh, when when they started uh, with school busing, he wasn't about to have that when he was in the Senate. He was a, a, a big supporter of um, of, of, of uh, uh, Robert Byrd and uh, and um, some other uh, you know Southern uh, um, uh, racist uh, senators. So this is a guy who 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 has a, a history of racism, ha- comes out. And now, and and it started in that speech with the black and red lighting last September and continued, as you just said, uh, at Howard University. And I think this is something that is is more serious than than people are giving it um, uh, credence uh, Mm -hmm. about, is that he continues to repeat the lie that white supremacy constitute white supremacy and white supremacists, excuse me, constitute the nation's biggest terror threat everywhere he goes. And he it, 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 he's also got uh, um, uh, Merrick Garland, the D, head of the DOJ, uh, uh, saying this, and the FBI, and who they are, uh, and, and who they are um, uh, tracking now. Homeland Security. You know, we, we've talked about this before. Domestic extremists, like people who attend school board meetings, and what's what's. Um, What's what's interesting to me about him continuing at every opportunity to um, uh, to reiterate and, and repeat this lie is that you know I've talked about this before on air. It's what is the end game? What is the end game here? Yes, is yes. is it to is it to is it to just win another election by? turning off over half the population and accusing them of being domestic terrorists and white supremacists is that is that the end game because if that's the end game that ain't it and and it yeah. it, 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 it it's it seems to me that, that this by the way the myth of white supremacy you know going back to the uh, Ku Klux Klan is some interesting facts you know the largest lynch mob lynching that ever occurred in this country in the South, was of Italians. Well, the 18- single largest one, yeah, that took yes, place. That's yes, right. yes, that's, yes, that's exactly. right. In 18- I don't know, like, 
in yeah, 1891, mm-hmm. the, the lynching in 1891 of 11 Italians in New Orleans after yeah. a roundup of over 1,000 Italians grew out of internal con- conflict among Louisiana Democrats and was praised by progressives of that era. Listen to what the New York Times said at that point, the New York Times. These sneaking and cowardly Sicilians, the descendants <laughs> of bandits and assassins, lynch law was the only open course was the only course open to the people of New Orleans. Can you imagine? So this is not about whites and white supremacists uh, just lynching black people. Of course, black people were lynched. You know, no one would be foolish enough to... to but, but the KKK was formed and targeted against Catholics and Jews. And it hailed the Anglo-Saxon white man, which is actually was a very small part of the population in the South, but it got uh, globalized into anything uh, that is white. And if you're black, you know, failing to realize that, 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 uh, that there is no white supremacy in this country. Are there racists in this country? Of course they are. No one would be stupid enough to, to say not, but to continue to jam this down the throat of, of our country, people are going to get angry. People are going to get angry and say, why are you calling me this? I have never done anything. I have never done anything to a, 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 a non-white person. I just go about my daily life and interact with people. You just, you, you told me the other day, you had a conversation with your, uh, your, your, your uh, po- postal uh, worker, your, your postman. My postman, And yeah. who's a, 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 a black fella, and you, 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 you guys just chatted and talked about life and talked about uh, uh, mm-hmm. how well uh, he has done in his life working in the civil service. And the, the, so who Where's this race? Where's this white nationalist racism coming from? It is strictly again to balkanize and create enemies of white people mm-hmm. in this country. And if you create enemies of white people, you are exalting the quote unquote underserved, underprivileged. And that is only a recipe, I believe very strongly, DePaul, as you know, for disaster. And there is no good to come of this. No, 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 there isn't. There really isn't. And, uh, you know, here's here's the president who uh, promised unity, and instead he literally, literally, almost by rote, just smears 50% of the country as either semi-fascist or ultra-mega extremist and... And this is just part and parcel of, again, what I really believe that Biden and others who hyperbolically claim this big lie to be the gospel, uh, they, 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 they not only do not speak what is true, they never cite any data to support their accusations. That's right. I, I, I mean, Philip, I live in the heartland. I, I asked my wife this morning, because we were brought up. She was in a very conservative environment. I, I think she was even a member. You're, you're too young, Philip, to remember this, but of the Young Americans for Freedom, YAF. Do you remember that organization? Did you ever hear of it? What do you think? I was born last week. Of well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm but too any... young to remember. Of course right. I do. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I I said to her, I said, in all of our discussions, because 
some of the wonderful uh, black uh, young people we had attending our high school, North Central, that we attended together. Uh, we we reached out and had great times with and everything else. I remember I went to the national debate competition in Dallas, Texas, and the African-American from the same school was uh, in the poetry reading, and we went into a, a Dallas um uh, a, a restaurant and they said they couldn't serve us because he was black and I looked at my friend and he looked at me and I said well if you can't serve him you can't serve me and you know we walked away and this was from an evangelical Christian conservative I said to my wife I said do you remember growing up and being in our milieu and being a, a, in a conservative tradition from your parents do you remember being surrounded by these people, these 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 white supremacists, now that are ubiquitous, now that are the greatest threat to this country, she said, you know, you know, and she calls me Danny, she said, you know, honey, the few people that might have been like that, we just called them yehus, don't you remember? <laughs> they, yeah. You know, there were just a couple of yehus. In other words, it has been so blown out of proportion, and forgive my cynicism, Philip, but with 70% of the public showing they are adamantly opposed to Biden on a second run, I just think he is struggling and doing what he's done best over his entire political career. He's just employing inflammatory racial rhetoric to revitalize some kind of a small base. I, yeah. I, 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 and, this, that, and this is the guy, if you remember back in the, uh, in the late ages in the Clarence Thomas hearings, how he, he uh, uh, in the Senate hearings, bent over backwards to, to, try and, to, to try and slander this man, Clarence Thomas. And he's telling me, and he's telling you, and he's telling yeah. not just white people in this country, he is telling people of good will in this country, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, it doesn't matter, but people yeah. of good will who believe in this country and who believe in getting ahead he is telling us he is telling us that 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 he has the uh the moral high ground well well i'm i'm sort of done with that and by the way you know it was it was always the um you know the always the uh, the cliche you know blacks are blah 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 blacks are blah blah you know lame name every cliche he's doing exactly that and not only is he doing that he has got the power of the fbi homeland security and the uh, Department of Justice behind him now, which we'll get to in a little while, yes. of, 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 of creating straw men or cliches or stereotypes, or yeah. however you want to say it, and yeah. going after those as opposed to dealing with reality. Philip, I, I'm not being gratuitous when I tell you I agree with you. And you sent me an article, by the way, this week. Uh, from Daniel Greenfield, The Myth of White Supremacy, uh, May 16th edition in Front Page magazine. I'm going to quote it because it underscores really something over the last two years that we have been doing entering stage right that has sort of been a, a light motif, a, a theme of yours running concurrently through our discussions. And I'll quote them, and I just want to get your reaction before we uh, move on to our PS, which is really an extension of this. But anyway, 
way, here's the quote from Greenfield. White supremacy isn't the issue. Identity supremacy is. Generations have been told by the Democrats, by their educational systems and entertainment, that they are defined by identity politics and that positive change will come when they narrowly fight for the interest of their group while suspecting the worst of members of other groups, especially white people. This isn't white supremacy, it's identity supremacy. And if we don't move beyond it, there will be no nation, only one long, endless civil war across the fractured territories of what was America. Somehow there seems to be a great resonating truth in that, don't you agree? Yes, we'll become the land of the, the, land of the unfree and the home of the aggrieved. Hmm and the put-upon, and the marginalized, and every other cliche word they can come up with so they can be elevated, uh, you know, to some, to some... And by the way, when someone gets elevated, someone gets put down, too. So that's part of this whole white, white, white supremacy, white nationalist kind of thing going on. So if you destroy that, you elevate someone else, again, getting away from the true aspect of this country, of people said, working yeah. together to create yeah. a society of freedom and economic opportunity for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm reminded because, you know, I talked about the fact that, uh, uh, you know, after living three quarters of a century and uh, engaging wonderfully in the African-American community on so many different levels and having liberal friends and having conservative friends and wondering where these ubiquitous white supremacists are that are the greatest threat to, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, our homeland, et cetera, et cetera. I do feel like it's a ruse. I feel like it is is really taking us off the great issues that need, you know, that need uh, our focus and attention. And I think there was something about our generation and uh, the positive influences of Martin Luther King judging people by their their character, et cetera, et cetera, that just had a profound influence on us, realizing that, you know, uh, one does not remove racism by being anti-racist. No, we remove racism by loving our neighbors. Speaking of that, when I was living out there in La La Land on Mulholland Drive, I remember we had our neighbors over for the first time, older couple at the time. He was a landowner in Rhodesia. And, um, of course, when Rhodesia made its transition to independence and became Zimbabwe, uh, everything changed for him. The next thing you know, we're having dinner. The next thing I know, we're having a discussion, uh, a rather general one, and his phrase came out of his mouth, well, you know, if we buy into this stuff that Martin Luther Kuhn is saying. I remember hearing people refer to him as that as well. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I immediately said goodnight. <laughs> literally stood up from our table there you go. and said, dinner has been served. Dinner is now done. 
Thank you very much. Good evening. So there was something in the ethos that was ingrained in us that, yes, we are equal. Yes, we all should have the same opportunity. But, but we understood, just as you indicated earlier on, that it is not at the condemnation, it is not at this grotesque, uh, uh, great general swath that uh, Biden employs all the time of this inflammatory racial rhetoric that says, oh, this is what's really happening in our country. This is the great. Can you imagine where is the prophetic voice that just rings the bell, Philip, rings the bell and says, guess what? We're an extraordinary country. We're an extraordinary land of opportunity. The vast majority of people care for one another and just want to get on with their lives. I want to encourage that. Instead, he is literally... Uh, just just evoking the very basest elements in the body politic. I want to, uh, for a second, uh, you know, the, the, one of the words I hate, I, I hate, I'll come back to that in a second, yeah. that, 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 that I find abhorrent is when, when people on the left that, that claim that everything is hate speech. You know, if you say, I don't like that dress, that's hate speech or whatever it is. He is, if you're going by that standard, this man who you just talked about is employing hate speech because he is encouraging hatred between Americans. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, listen, uh, this this has worked its way into all of the bureaucracies, into all yeah. of our different divisions. And so uh, just kind of moving right along into uh, your PS, uh, kind of uh, tell us more, Philip, about how this... Um, uh, sort of uh, uh, identity and this marginalizing and looking for people is taking place right in our Department of Homeland Security. Yes, it is being embedded. It is not in people's hearts and minds and souls. It is being embedded as policy in this country, uh, just as a... Um, uh, as a little introduction to it, I'm, I'm, I'm sure many of our listeners yeah. uh, knew that uh, when uh, the uh, Iron Curtain was still there, that East Germany had this fantastic secret police thing called the Stasi. And they were a nasty bunch. And by the time the, uh, the uh, Iron Curtain came down, the Stasi had turned, had almost 200,000 of their citizens to be spies, mm -hmm. to turn on family, friends, neighbors, to serve the, the uh, communist cause. 200,000 people, mm. so they employed people to snitch on each other. And I remember when I was a kid, there was nothing worse than a snitch, you know? <laughs> I just remember that. You snitch, oh my goodness. But anyway, well, this is what's going on. Aside from Biden just rambling about this nonsense in, in his speeches, the DA, the Department of Homeland Security would like to say, see the same thing happen in America. A Freedom of Information Act uh, request revealed that it produced training documents to teaching ordinary Americans mm -hmm. to report on other Americans who are opposed to Biden's policy, to report them. Mm. Well, 
it goes on that uh, uh, just there there's a whole uh, there's a whole slew of them but these are the um, these are just a couple of them of uh, it's it's not the it, it's the Biden administration and deep state are worried about this is some of the and they 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 give you examples of what this person might be what oh. they might say little clues you know to so you can find the truth and be able to rat on whoever it is so you're saying the these de- are these are templates with these are exactly the templates department of homeland security that come, that that's that right. will tutor their employees as to what to be on the lookout for. Well, not only the employees, but the FBI and maybe you, D. Paul, and, and myself, and you know, who to look out for in our neighborhood. Well, yeah. they, they seem to be worried about suburban moms. Well, here, here it is. Uh, one of the, one of the uh, things uh, shows now, choose, uh, here's how to uh, de-radicalize. Here's an example. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I babbled for a second. DHS constructs a detailed profile for, we'll call her Anne, a middle-aged pro-life advocate. She is a suburban mom, surrounded, and in, in, in the, uh, in, in the uh, literature, surrounded by stock footage of laundry and a minivan, <laughs> who has become, yes, who has become increasingly more concerned about the welfare of other children. <gasps> She Shocking. out of the children and, and drives a minivan. <laughs> Having defined Anne, ostensibly the quintessential good citizen, DHS walks its new Stasi spies through a variety of scenarios, such as her being heard using the phrase baby killer mm. or talking to her hairdresser about her pro-life stance. Ooh. Armed with information about what dangerous radical looks like, Stasi trainees are given advice on how to, about calling the law on Anne, trying to destroy her at work, or digging deeper into pro-life groups. Now, there's one more. Let's say, let's call her Courtney. This is what they're calling her. An old friend who is, who is a budding, quote, a budding conspiracy theorist. Unquote. Her particularly, uh, particular conspiracy theory is that the government is connected to child abuse and trafficking. You mean like at the border? Oh, so they, 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 they detail a whole profile of her, and, but, but they give her these sort of, like, sort of like white names, right? You know, Anne and Courtney, which goes along with white supremacy. And this, this, this document... Uh, thank, thank goodness, America First Legal Foundation uh, uh, discovered these, and they go on and on. They describe young men, a young man who tends to want to be alone, or a young, you know, this kind of thing. These templates they set out to create and 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 turn citizen against citizen, and and most of them are white. That's the PS for the day. That's what this government is doing, officially sanctioning now. I'm 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 nonplussed in a way. Yeah, I understand. You know, I mean, I really am because um, we 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 understand how easy it is for a nation to get off off course. And it's very, that's a good point. It's very easy. It's not as difficult no. as people think. It can happen before no. you. Reagan said that it can happen before you bat an eye. Yeah, no, I mean, preserving, preserving democracy 
is 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 a vigorous task, uh, but destroying it can uh, can happen very very quickly. And just just uh, imagine imagine if we would, and and actually we are there, Philip, we are there. We're, we're, we're there. I mean, you know, when, when, when we have teachers and counselors in our public schools that are telling our precious children, you don't have to tell mommy and daddy how you feel. You can tell me. You will, you will tell me, by the way, if mommy and daddy say anything that will hurt we're we're there. We're, we're, we 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 have established this um, intrusion into really what I consider to be the sanctum sanctorum, the relationship of a parent and a child. Yeah. And so the state has become so invasive on this. And I I just uh, when when you when you talk about it it just it's so disconcerting obviously well listen i'm 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 going to throw you a curveball here and i'm just going to say i think i am going to uh, uh um just uh suspend my ps until maybe next week cuz this is an ongoing story i'll just mention it en passant and that is of course Target target which has lost 9 billion dollars in market value after, of course, conservatives around the nation called for a boycott against the retail giant whose 2023 Pride Collection, among other items, oh, included a, a tuck-friendly swimsuit to obscure male genitalia by a UK brand known as Aprelin, and, of course, the trans man designer who is a self-avowed Satanist, Eric Carnell, who specializes in this kind of inspired merchandise. By the way, it's it's not just about what people saw within the stores. Target and its Pride collection, Philip, because uh, this is a Gay Pride Month. By the way, it's also a dozen other months, uh, including Juneteenth, and the, the list goes on and on. Again, I, I, I remind you, Philip, if we continue this way, there will no one will have to work. We'll just be celebrating every day, every month. But the point is is that over 2,000 products are part of Target, its pride collection, including some of the items targeted at children. For example, books for kids 2 to 8 had titles like Pride 123, Bye Bye Binary, and I'm Not a Girl. And Target also suggests, suggested, by the way, the pronoun book to kids, zero to three, and of course in home, uh, their home uh, uh, decor decor section, Target offered mugs labeled gender fluid. It goes on and on and on and on. I I, I don't want I I I I I I'll pick up this next week. Except to say this, Target, it's a free country. You can do whatever you want to do. In the meantime. Yes, 100 million plus Americans probably, they ain't happy campers. So don't expect anything less than they're boycotting what you're doing. We're not interested in going to a store 
and receiving your agit prompt as a result of it. So anyway, Philip, listen, um, oh, oh, by the way, I will give you one opportunity before you go into your hero or very special remembrance you've mentioned. And by that, I mean, oh, your good erstwhile governor has gotten into the fray here, Philip. Can you just tell us one thing about what he's saying about what's going on with these hundred million people plus who are opposed to what's going on at Target? Well, I'll just be very brief. One of the things he says: Well, if if if, if they're against this, they've got to be against uh, they've got to be against Jews and Catholics and all of this, uh, you know. So uh, again, a conspiracy of enemies of the downtrodden and the uh, and the uh, and the uh, uh, underserved or whatever nonsense they want. Uh, I, I'd like to I'd like to take a second to uh, remember yes. uh, somebody. Uh, obviously, obviously, Tina Turner passed this week, and a mm-hmm. lot of people, you know, people throughout the world were big um, fans yeah, of her music. Sure. Uh, I am going to speak of her for a second on personal terms because I spent a week with her when she was with Ike, when it was Ike and Tina Turner, mm. uh, many years ago, uh, between graduating acting school and going off to my first season as a actor's equity. Um, Mm-hmm. actor in a in a uh, repertory company i drove mm-hmm. limousine and the company happened to be owned by uh, jimi hendrix who i used to drive jimmy a, a, a lot and drove a lot of the like big you know big people um <laughs> from california uh ike and tina flew east they obviously had some gigs to do and i spent a week with them and uh <laughs> learning new things about you all the time and um, I spent yeah. uh, six days with them uh, in, in and around the New York area. I, uh, we went from huge venues, took them, you know, and a limo took them to, I remember the first night they played the woman, the skating rink in Central Park, huge gig. And um, for the rest of the week, it'd be a small, uh, not a small club, but a very modest club, like on Long Island. We go to New Jersey and various places. Right, and right. about three of those nights, I... Um, they asked me to come and eat with them. So I spent a lot of time with these folks. Wow. Um, Ike was obviously in charge. I never, I, I'm not defending Ike. I just never saw any of what, what was, yes. uh, you know, they were in public. But I do remember every day this stunningly beautiful woman would get into the car and she learned my name. She called me Phil. She says, hi, Phil. How are you today? I'm fine. And uh, I could get in, and I would notice she always wore a wig. She, you never saw Tina uh, au natural. Mm. She always wore a wig, and I'll never mm-hmm. forget the look on her face. You know, she, when she performed, she had that beautiful but sort of hard rock and roll kind of kind of mane to her. Her face was so soft in the car. She was stunning. And mm. beyond that, I watched them for six nights Big venues, little venues between Ike and Tina and the band, their backup singers. Mm. She gave it every night. Mm-hmm. She brought it. She was a performer. She was a talent. Yes. And not only that, she, whatever, whatever went on with her and Ike I Turner, her, her career took a dive. She hung in there yeah. and came back bigger than ever. Mm. Mm. And I remember 
mm-hmm. sitting in the car. They had their road manager, this woman uh, who sat next to me, a white woman sat next to me in the car all the time. And she always would turn to Tina and refer to her, mm-hmm. obviously they were very close, as Dada. I guess one would spell that D-U-D-D-A, Dada. Hey, Dada, what about them? Mm-hmm. So all I want to say <laughs> <laughs> is God bless you, Dada. Mm. Yeah. God bless Dutta. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you, Philip, for I have you know we 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 know a lot about each other, but I never knew about that that chapter. And thank you. Thank you. It's very lovely, sweet remembrance of yes indeed the Thank you for listening. The wonderfully talented Tina Turner. <laughs> well, there it is, folks. It is the old school bell, and it is ringing louder than ever, telling us that it's time to wrap it up and say goodbye to all of our listeners. And by the way, a special thanks, Philip, as you well know, to all of our men and women who serve in the armed services and for those brave soldiers over the well, now centuries who have given their lives in this this country for this Absolutely. country, Absolutely. Yeah, that we might be free. So, in way of reminder, dear friends, regardless of what is going on in this crazy, topsy turvy world of ours, we do live in a great country. It's a free country. So let's keep it that way and. We're thankful for so many things for you, dear listener. So till we meet again, this is D. Paul Thomas and Philip Charles McKenzie inviting you to join us next week for another podcast of Entering Stage Right. <laughs>